New York. No, I got oh, you it. didn't even do it one time. Unique New York. New York. No. <laughs> 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 unique New York. Unique New York. Okay. Unique New York. Unique New York. Yes, twice. I'm not going to try for three. You know you need unique New York. <laughs> we fucking cooked. You cannot play God, then wash your hands of the things that you've created. Sooner or later, the day comes. And you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. Welcome back. Thank you, Kaylee. To the second, much drunker episode of Crossroads. The finale of season three. Yes, we're not going to go too much in intros here. This is literally the next day uh, for you. For us, it's enough time for us to pour ourselves a whiskey and... Have a pee break. And half a glass of oat stout. Oh, yes. We've got the oat stout. Um, the uh, the truth is out there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm never going to get tired of saying it. It's also a nod to the very Canadian cast of Battlestar Galactica. Absolutely. And then we are drinking Hudson Manhattan Rye, which is a big fave of mine. Love me some Hudson. I don't know if we have drunk it on the podcast before, though. I think we've had it together, but I'm not sure if we've had it together here. True. Yeah, it's a great... We don't whiskey on the podcast very often, which is probably wise. So we'll see how this goes. Yes, I, I do love it. Um, I think it's it's definitely one of my favorite American whiskeys. And I'm a big rye fan. Um, now, before we get into this, I just want to talk about Adama shaving. This show loves an Adama shaving montage. Well, Ronald D. Moore did talk about it. And he, he said it started with the first episode of the series. Um, and he just loves showing him shaving because it's a very, uh, human thing. Um, and he almost has such a great face. He does. And I think that this scene for him was just like a really amazing demonstration of their deep friendship, which for me so much. Well, I mean, my note was kind of like, is this Rosalind's kink? Well, my note was daddy Adama. So. Yeah, so it's Kaylee's kink, but we established that many episodes ago. My daddy is Starbucks. <laughs> but it's still your kink. Uh, and so I like that the take was different. Um, but yeah, bro, uh, Ronald D. Moore loves this scene. It's his favorite scene, I think. It is like her, and whether he or not it's it. her kink, her flirty little moment of yes or no, sir, anything you say, sir, is so precious and it warms my heart. And I... I do want to take one quick moment to send a big frack you to the military for being anti-fat all the time because that's his immediate go-to is get your fat lazy ass out of bed, oh, which I'm yeah. not here for. But otherwise, for sure, I thought that was unnecessary too. Precious. The dynamic is precious. I thought the comment was like unnecessary, but I uh, I did it. Yeah. So this is one of Ronald D. Moore's inserted scenes into the oh. You know, when he glossed over and just added a few changes. This was definitely one of them. And it is his, I think, his favorite scene in the the two episodes. So, And uh, it's also, it makes the their final scene together so much more mm-hmm. painful when he has essentially betrayed her mm. uh, he at ha- the end yeah. of the trial. And that, that's a really interesting, anyway, we can get to that later. Because they start the episode at such a high note together. Like mm. she is... 
obviously not at her best, but their relationship seems very strong in this moment and it's mm. going to be really tested by the end of the episode. Yeah. And this scene was also originally supposed to be before the press thing mm. last episode. So it's a lot of the chopping and changing scenes around. So this that's when she's like, I don't think I can face today. That was what she was originally talking about, but it just kind of... Anything she has to face at this point is pretty brutal. So yeah. I get it. It works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like, don't let him see you sweat. Yep. Oh, my heart. Uh, so I, did we get Chief in part one hearing the music? No. And that was actually a, uh, decision that was made. So initially he was supposed to be walking the baby up and down the hallway. And so was Sharon at the same time. Mm. And it would be this same corridor. And they were going to do that in the first episode. But then they decided not to. So that there was a reveal in the second episode that he was also hearing the music. Um, and so the answer is no. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Sam and Tori are having their little hot, morning hot, together. Hot, 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 hot. Boy, <laughs> does she have some nice lingerie for the apocalypse. I was really disappointed, though, because when she took off her top, I thought she was going to take off her top. No, she's got a fully matching bra. It's very upsetting. That matches, like, the camisole that seems like an unrealistic level of it's too much. undergarments. Like, I just, come on. Show but us your But also, tits. it's sci-fi. I know, but I was really upset. This is an HBO. I saw it happening and it didn't. And then I just have a note, poor Celix, because she's sad. She, she is. She but also, it. they um they line this shot up the way they do often to show you a character who's wearing a wedding ring where uh, Anders' mm -hmm. tattoo is fully in view I when he's embracing that. her. Yeah. Full tattoo view. Just and that's, like he was you can't ring. take that ring off, nope. buddy. I mean, it'd take a long time. Uh, so we get this little moment of Tori saying, what's that music? Which I, I think previously it's it's mostly been Ty and a little bit Sam who's mm. hearing the music. And Tori in the last episode was just looking a little rough. But now we know Tori's hearing the music. Tyrell's hearing the music. And Celix is heartbroken. Yeah. Because she was waiting but a respectful amount of time. It's funny, though, because when she says, do you hear the music? Actually, this is the point where I'm like, maybe Sam isn't a asylum because she doesn't actually, it's not clear if he hears it or not. Which I think is intentional. He yeah. goes, wait, what did you say? But yeah, yeah. To me, it reads very much as like, wait, it does wait, retrospectively. You yeah, but, but when I, the first time you're watching it, it's like, it's a deliberate mislead. And I was like, oh, are they misleading me? Or is it like, true? wait, what did you say? Are you crazy? There's because no he doesn't hear does, does it say in the first scene that he hears the music? Because I feel like him and Tori just significantly look at each other and you could read it as them both hearing the music. He did, Sam in the first episode was the one who, when Ty was messing with the radio, was like, wait, you almost had that song go back. And he says to Celix, like... Oh, that's right. He yeah, does, yeah, yeah. he does. He ha Sam is, has a moment in the first episode, but I don't think Tori does. Anyway, Celix, I'll comfort you. Um... And Chief is like he's hearing the music in the ship too. Like he's put, he's doing it's the same in thing. In the Ty computer. Doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, Apollo can read. Oh my god, he's <sighs> reading from a book. New and it it's supposed to it's supposed to come across like oh he's had this brilliant revelation because he's going through this old law book by his by Grandpa Joe. Uh, but really, to me, it's like, 
oh, did you know, like, we can have a mistrial? And also, did you know we can cross-examine a witness? Like, he just, he doesn't know anything. It's also, like, the difference. I feel like there's a real difference, and I don't know if you've experienced this, between people who have original thought and people who just regurgitate other people's ideas. And I am definitely someone who's just, like, original, weird thinking. But I have met people who's people, like, other people are like, oh, my God, that person's so smart. And I'm like, they literally just, like are recapturing ideas of more brilliant people around them slash like Simone de Beauvoir or like what and it's not to say this problem like there's collective genius but there is a definite distinction in like people who are in intelligent kind of communities or like academia or whatever you want to call it who have some of them are like oh I want to think about the world and I'm going to like incorporate these ideas into an original thought and the people who are like I believe the next thinker that I hear interesting um baltar does not want a mistrial because he doesn't want to go back to jail and he doesn't want to have to do all this again he doesn't want to, have to suffer like this he mm-hmm. just wants it to be over mm-hmm. but he wants it to be over to where he wins mm-hmm. i mean it's this just a room, small ask this these three fucking guys in a room oh my god it's only <laughs> it's okay exhausting. because of what happens later and also it's okay because of James Callis. Everything's always okay because of James Callis. Right. Also, this oat stout's great. And it goes like very well it. with the rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? We haven't done BD in a while. And I want to throw Racetrack's hat in the ring. Racetrack always wins BD. Come on. She is the most... Be- like, she is stepping up so hard since Starbuck mm-hmm. is gone. She is being the most badass teacher of these little nuggets. She's so good. Uh, Just fully running down exactly what they have to do and also isn't being like a drunk weirdo with a God complex while she's doing it. Like no. she's just badass. Just shaming people for masturbation, but you're forgiven. It's fine. Yeah, I think Racetrack needs to find some self-love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If she masturbated more, she'd have my vote. All right, we will consider that as we move on through this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chief is humming a little ditty that Sam recognizes. That's the song they're both hearing. And he goes up and says, like, hey, what's that song? Uh, and one of them, I think it's Sam says, like, oh, I heard that on the boombox at the bar. And that, like, if anything dates this show, it's the word boombox. Wow. I didn't even think we used the word boombox in the early aughts. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the writer of the episode did. <laughs> it's that thing like they always talk about with Buffy where like the writers will have these references to like the Three Musketeers and they're like, were people in the late 90s and early 2000s really watching a lot of Three Musketeers? Probs not. It's like when the writers are like, oh my God, this really recent reference. Yeah. I roll. You missed it. It, for th- it made me smile in this context uh-huh. though. Uh, and they're like, yeah, it's something from childhood. Like, you can't quite place it. Uh, and meanwhile, Racetrack is like, do you need a fracking invitation? Get over here. Because she got BD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where we get our, I think it's the first two times we hear lines from the song. Like, Chief is trying to come up with the lyrics and he's like, some way out of here. And then as Sam is walking over to Racetrack, he says, no reason to get excited. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like those ones you could maybe miss, but by the next time it happens, it's really obvious. Mm. I think they, um, uh, need to 
get my way out of here. That one is like pretty recognizable if you're a human like us. Uh, yes, many humans ability who just who recognize that song or no who just no it's not about that it's about the fact that you just hear music in life right true yes different things it's not that people wouldn't recognize it it's just that you and i are listening for the song in everything because we wish life was a musical i mean i'm speaking for both of us so true though (laughs) i don't think i'm wrong i always want to be that person in new york who like a flash mob happens around and i never am but people in New York just sometimes sing on the street and I want to be that person. That's like when I feel like I'm a real New Yorker, when I'm just like, fuck it. I feel like singing. I'm just going to sing on the subway. Mm-hmm. Maybe put a little hat down, make a little money. Look, who knows? Maybe. So Coddle is back with a scene with Rosalind. Uh, he's treating her cancer and giving her shit like <laughs> he's good at. And uh, she kind of passes out and has another of these dreams where she's chasing after Hera and this time when Six picks Hera up Baltar is there as well which we didn't see in the last stream Mm. and they take her into the opera house and the doors close and that's when Rosalind and Athena both wake up screaming Mm -hmm. and Coddle's like what (laughs) what the frack just happened with you crazy women (laughs) (sighs) Uh, and they immediately go to Rosalind takes Athena and Hera to go and visit Six and they're like, Hey, were you with us? And she's like, What? <laughs> uh and it's like, Yeah, I just knew I had to protect Hera. So it seems like they're kind of all in the same boat as far as their concerns within the dream. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ty's trying to convince Adama that the Cylons are sabotaging the ship with music. He's a hot mess. (laughs) It's not going well. (laughs) And this is where he says there's too much confusion. And then I think when Adama leaves the room, he says there must be some kind of way out of here. Mm. And at that point, if you haven't recognized the lyrics, you don't know the song. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I think maybe that was the point where I text you. I'm like, this is too many times. Yeah, 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 yeah. You start to put it together. Yeah. For sure. Um, Gate is on the stand. Line his little butt off. It made me upset, but mm-hmm. Butterfingers made me happy. <laughs> Butterfingers. He pretends he was there when Gaius signed the death list, which it makes he me definitely mad. wasn't. But, but then, okay. So let's talk about Ronald D. Moore's take on this because but- I was super mad about it. Um, and I really, because I love Gator as we all know. Um, and so the first draft, they had proof of Gator's perjury, which is interesting. Um, but also I think what Ronald D. Moore said is he is sort of take on it, which is very interesting now was that he Gator's sort of perspective, which isn't really sh- demonstrated in his acting because his acting is very smug and I think that's what I hated more than what he did was the way that he acted around it but I think the point of it was that he was in a position where he knew that um, Gaius had done the wrong thing and he was willing to perjure himself to make sure justice was carried out but I don't agree with his choices it is interesting though because Gaeta came very, very, very close to dying mm. for being perceived as someone who collaborated with the Silence when he, in fact, was the person mm. who was feeding information to the resistance. Mm. And I think 
perhaps the trauma of going through that unofficial trial where he was sentenced to death uh, might be influencing his decisions here. Yeah, it's it's like, yeah, it's a lot. It felt wrong to me. But then when I heard Ronald D. Moore talk about it and also the way that it was originally in the script where that um, actually the thing that kind of debunked the trial is that it went on Gator's testimony and then there was proof that he was perjuring himself. Um, that kind of changed it all a little bit for me. But I still felt like I felt very betrayed by my friend Gator. Who you thought was the most stand-up guy. I did. Yeah. I mean, I, him and Dee, Dee hasn't let me down I think yet. his passions are too inflamed to be acting logically just, right now. I just, when when Volta started yelling at him. He says, oh, Felix, in a way that you would say. I was so ready for him to confess that they had been lovers and that he was a scorn lover. Like I heard him say, oh, Felix. And I was like, I was ready for it. But that's he not didn't what say, happened. Oh, Mr. Gator. He but said Butterfingers. Oh, so apparently that was ad libbed. So many of James Carlos's line best lines are. But where could Butterfingers go? Oh my. Lisa. Butter is a great lubricant, wouldn't you say? <laughs> There's a good lube called butters. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's my head cannon, as we all know. It's a great quote unquote insult to call someone who tried to murder you by stabbing you in the neck it's like whoopsie daisy i know it was great it's so funny oh james callus we don't deserve you no one deserves no you, but we're so grateful for so you so grateful so lampkin uh is like hey no further questions like if he's gonna lie there's nothing we can do to change that um and then he motions for a mistrial which gaius protests loudly and ridiculously (laughs) um because he says one of the judges is already biased against the case and this is the first of several moments where there's rabble 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 oh my god yeah i love it so much Uh, apparently the actors in this episode, particularly the ones in the stands who didn't have any lines and just had to sit there while all this was being filmed, were real grumpy about it and real grateful that they weren't working on a like law and order type of courtroom (laughs) show. So like this sucks sitting here for all of these takes in a courtroom (laughs) reacting, not able to even stand up. This is terrible. (laughs) Uh, so oh, look, life's tough, guys. Work in retail, stand up for eight <laughs> hours, and you'll be grateful to sit down. I think what they are grateful for is that normally they're on a badass sci-fi show where they get to run around and do crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And just in these couple episodes, they happen to be in a courtroom drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this woman who allows everything until she doesn't allows Lee to take the stand uh and lampkin is like oh if you don't say what you know like you know you have this duty to uphold the system and now 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 that the system is not working for lee adama (laughs) he says what fracking system of course oh now that you're put out because you were called to testify i'm sorry have you you don't want to say white men lately have you met them? <laughs> uh, so this is really Jamie Bamber's poor man's Tom Cruise date. It's his moment. 
Because this is really Tom Cruise. Such a moment. It's so Tom Cruise. Like everything I just, like Tom Cruise on my notes. Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's so Tom Cruise. And when um, when he talks about the pardon that Rosalind made, her face is so good. Like just go back and like freeze frame on her face when he says, and President Rosalind pardoned everybody. He looks at her and she just looks at him with a look. And I was like, holy shit. Especially so after the last scene they shared together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their relationship, which mm-hmm. she once called on him for everything. Mm-hmm. She started this all essentially when she was like, I want Lee to be yeah. the person who helps me with this court situation. Mm-hmm. She opened a door. She would have wanted closed. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. So this is finally the moment where the prosecutor, the poor prosecuting attorney is like, this is insane. This shouldn't be happening. And I do wonder if there are lawyers who are watching the show and listening to this podcast. If you can tell us just how absurd this trial scene is, because it seems very unrealistic. Like all trial scenes? I mean, probably, but particularly a space apocalypse trial scene. But I mean, also then space apocalypse. Fair. Rules are different. Uh, the one lady who allows everything is finally like, no, I think I agree that this is ridiculous and we should put an end to it. Now Adama's like, no, I want to hear what my son has to say because they have (laughs) to play out their stupid little family drama in the court. So apparently when Jamie Bamba did this scene, after he finished the whole cast, like everybody in the room got up and gave him a standing ovation. And I will say... That it's overly dramatic and he repeats so many lines. He repeats so many lines. He repeats so many lines. But it is a great performance. So shout out to Jamie Bamba. No, we give is. Apollo a lot of shit. We really it's do. not Jamie Bamba's fault. And this scene is acted very well. I totally agree. And like I'm I'm shitting on him and I'm shitting on this episode a little bit. But honestly, the fact that this badass wacky space battle sci-fi robot show was like our season finale is gonna be 90 percent set in a courtroom but and i it, love and that and it works no that's what i'm saying yeah. is it works that's nuts i know what when people ask me about Battlestar galactica who haven't seen it they're my favorite kind of people because the people who've seen it are just like very frustrated that I've only seen three seasons yet have a podcast about it and all this knowledge about the first three seasons, but they cannot discuss anything with me. Um, my colleague who sits across from me, it's just like, we can only have conversations where I direct it. I'm like, Oh, remember that episode where? And he's like, yes, I do recall that episode where this happened. Uh, we, ha- he'll look it up on the internet and be like, what am I going to spoil? Uh, so I like that you. he's taking it that seriously though. Thank you, Joe. Oh yes, he does. I, uh, I've made it very clear. No spoilers. But, um, when people ask me about it, I'm like, but really it's kind of like the West Wing in a post-apocalyptic space. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really true. And obviously I'm always much less focused on the space side and always much more focused on the political side, which is what I bring to the table. Did we talk recently about the quote from um, Ian McEwen, the author? There was, uh, if you're on Twitter as much as I am, you probably saw this, um, but a few weeks ago, Ian McEwen, who wrote Atonement and... Mm, I know who he is. Various other mm. Kira Knightley... Oh, maybe I'll listen to Kira Knightley filmed uh, mm-hmm. book-to-movie adaptations. Um 
had this revelation, this like old ass white man author mm. award winning was like, you know what? I think there's a place in sci-fi for like really real stories that aren't just about like anti-gravity boots and whatever. Wow. Like, oh, good job, Ian McEwen. Shout out to you for just that <laughs> massive revelation. You invented sci-fi. Oh good my job. goodness. That's that's great. It was the Yay internet you. tore him to pieces, so it was really entertaining and like he is fine. Okay. He's doing fine. I'm not worried about him. Okay. Um But really, come on, that's what sci fi is. That's why we love it. Is because, because it's, of it's, all the technology and the fact that it has absolutely no story or heart. So I teaches us no lessons about humanity. I don't know if I've shouted this out before on the podcast, but there's a company called Scout and they actually use, uh, use, they employ sci-fi writers to explore possible futures about technology. And so technology companies hire them to write possible futures for technologies. Actually, my friend Barrett is the founder of this organization. That's incredible. Very cool. Uh, and uh, you should check it out. But like that is just like a testament to how important this genre is. It's it's an incredible way to explore the ethical implications of things that are happening right now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Ian McEwan. <laughs> maybe watch an episode of Battlestar, Ian yeah. McEwan. Maybe watch all four seasons. Maybe binge them because I can't. And it's been two years and I still haven't. <laughs> You're welcome. Continue. So, where are we? I think we're kind of at we're towards m- the we're, we're conclusion. Liadam on the stand. Yes. So, he does give a great performance here. And as much as his character is a wanker. So, uh, rare shout out to Jamie Bamber, who we don't dislike. No, I think he is an exceptional human. He is. He's a great human. And brings, uh, honestly, I think as much heart as as possible to this, to this character spoiled who little is a, boy. Yeah, a smug little brat. Yeah. It's not your fault that that's the role you were cast and you did what you could with it and you did an exceptional performance and we're going to, we're, bet now we're he standing can up for night. you right now. Kind now of. Now that we'll, we've exonerated him. Yes. Well, we can't He's stand been waiting up for this moment with our microphones because they're attached, but we are standing up in our hearts <laughs> for you. So he makes a lot of good points here that so many people collaborated with the Cylons. Everyone got a blanket pardon. And then suddenly, of course, it's about him. Like, and me, where do I begin about all my crimes? Because the trial of Gaius Baltar is really about me forgiving myself. Yes. Um, of course. Lists, it's all about the aristocracy. Lists all of the crimes since basically that have been happening since the miniseries mm. down to like uh, blowing up the Olympic carrier. Mm. Um and he sh- he does call himself out for saying, like, I would have abandoned everyone on New Caprica and you all would have been dead mm. if I was in charge. Mm. Uh, so maybe Gaius did save your asses. Mm. And he does make this point that's like, we're not a civilization anymore. We're a gang. I don't know how I feel about the words, but I get the sentiment. I do. And there there was some kind of numbers originally in the original prosecutor's opening argument she began with the number of people in all the 12 colonies which was something like 51 billion mm. and did a lot more math and it was really slow so they cut that out because <laughs> uh, nobody but needed we love that math. much math 
But yeah, the rules for a 51 billion 12 planet society don't necessarily apply to 40,000 people running for their lives in space. But that's also the same for a lot of the ways that things run. And I have this conversation so much in America where I'll be like, yeah, cool. Like we had a buyback system in Australia for guns and that was amazing. That worked in our country of then 20 million people. Does it work for a country of 350 people like America? Absolutely not. Like I can't, I can't say like, we have these great policies and they're going to work for you. And whether that means that uh, there are different ways that could work or whether that means that America should be like more state and local based in terms of government, like New York has a lot of really great systems around healthcare and such that are not available in other places. But I'm always really mindful of that when I'm having conversations with people like, yes, we have a great healthcare system. Yes, we have a great, we have compulsory voting. Can you imagine trying to administer compulsory voting for 350 million people? Like we have 25 million people in Australia now. Uh, It's easy for me to say coming from a small place like that. It's like New Zealand in the news being amazing. There's 9 million people in New Zealand. You cannot compare Australia or New Zealand to India or China, for example, and not even America, which is like a third of the size of that. So, yeah, I think it's a good point. Yeah. And when you Australia take that just again, and really. apply it to an apocalypse scenario, it kind of just doubles everything down. Um, but yeah, he's like, oh, well, we don't like you. So and you had the audacity to survive. So we're going to kill you now. Like, that's not fair. He makes a great point. It's about our collective shame and guilt that we're trying to get rid of through you. And it's it honestly all makes sense, uh, except for the fact that he shouldn't be on the stand. And he like the defense yeah. rests and the, the prosecuting attorney. They're like, do you have any questions? She goes. I have no questions for defense counsel. Yeah. Like she did her best. She did her best. I think that she's not going to legitimize this. The speech is great. But yeah, it doesn't make any sense to that point. Um, (laughs) You have to take it all with a grain of salt the way this trial was set up. Because once the points are made, they do make sense. It just how we got there. I feel like I could have gotten there in a better way. But I do love the speech. Um, And I do think the points are valid. And I do think there is an element um of this in a lot of a lot of things that happen in terms of people paying for the crimes of many i guess absolutely um the only thing i'm extra confused about in terms of the writing here is uh roma lampkin called leodama to the stand to justify his request for a mistrial and then by the time leodama finishes his testimony they're like we're just gonna go vote on whether he's guilty or innocent yeah yeah look they never got to that mistrial situation yes anyway uh they come back with the verdict and um this badass lady judge is like justice is imperfect and it's flawed and maybe that's weirdly what makes it great uh which is like if you look at our current justice (laughs) system no the flaws just make it terrible Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a three to two vote that Gaius is not guilty and then there's some extreme rabble 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 watermelon rutabaga watermelon rutabaga Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, a great 
ending look between Rosalind and Apollo here. And then there's just chaos and people getting punched. So apparently, originally, it went way further than that. And the bald guy, as Ronald D. Moore called him, was going to be chasing Baltar with a knife. But a lot of that got cut out. I don't know why. But they apparently... It does seem uh, sufficiently chaotic in there. It went on for a lot longer. And I was really hoping it would be in the deleted scenes. But it's not. Mm. Um, But yeah, they have to uh, escort guys from the courtroom. Speaking of deleted scenes, I missed some. Let's hear Uh, it. There was a Tori and Anders at the bar scene talking about their relationship. Um, Was not interesting because they only wrote one line about it. Uh, There was a Rosalind and Athena scene uh, after they have the vision. Uh, Rosalind and Athena talk talking about whatever. And Athena um, explains projections to her. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so, because she was like, oh, I thought it was a projection. And then Rosalind was like, what's a projection? Fair. Uh, and then she talks about like that experience. And then, yeah, so it was a really interesting that seems scene. like some very interesting exposition. That yeah, we're for missing. sure. Yeah. We, we, which we missed. And then there's another one, uh, which I'll bring up later. Okay. So, uh, Gaius, victorious Gaius. <laughs> so smug with the press straight to the press oh well of course i knew i knew uh and he's having this little meeting with uh his defense counsel and uh lambkin has this great line about like oh well your boundless confidence in us was really inspiring (laughs) um Um, one point about this mm -hmm. uh was that his chest hair looks amazing he definitely took off the jacket, rolled up the sleeves, unbuttoned that those top buttons. James Callis, thank you <laughs> for that. Slash the wardrobe department. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. But I do love this what about me moment that he has. Oh, my God. So he's like, first, he says this line about, personally, if the Admiral could have squirmed more, that would have been fun. And, and Apollo's like, crack like, you and fully justifiably. And then... He goes up to Lambkin and is like, so are you like my personal assistant now? Because I want to do a book tour. And what are the <laughs> the legal things we need to work out with the rights to my book? Which are there rival publishing companies in the 40,000 Sorry, I was shaking my head and you missed that. <laughs> but um, it's it's very funny. It's such a presumption. And then I just love Rodmore's reaction. This mo- like he Yeah, he's like, no, my not so inconsiderable talents could be used elsewhere now that there's like a legal (laughs) system we could take advantage of Mm -hmm. um yeah and just guy is like none of you are thinking about me what about me it's hilarious the two of them really enjoy just like walking out of the room and leaving oh it's so good brilliant uh Lee is like, did you know what's going to happen, Mr. Lampkin, when you put me on the stand? Which is kind of different when you see the deleted scene mm. of the episode before. Okay. Um, because it seems like he was fishing for that information earlier and like kind of prepping him for like the whole right thing argument. So very interesting. <laughs> but Lampkin. yeah, Lampkin's like, well, I knew you were honest. So, you know, 
figured it would work out. <laughs> uh, honest, unlike your Grandpa Joe and me. Mm. I am not an honest person. I'm going to rest my cane that I never needed mm-hmm. here against this wall and stroll away jauntily. Mm-hmm. With my sunglasses, which Indeed. I am not as good at using as Rosalind is. <laughs> but yeah, and so to talk about what we were talking about before, like just a great illustration of right and wrong and what's ethical and yeah i just it's just good yes so roslyn is real pissed about this outcome uh and adama makes a point of saying like not guilty is not the same as innocent Mm -hmm. which i think is important i think it is uh and she i think she knows but she's like oh what you couldn't get the other two guys to budge Uh no it was you it was you you voted against him. Uh-huh. Frack you. Uh-huh. Um, she knows about that, like Adama pride. But when she said you couldn't get the other two guys to budge, I assume that she was indicating that she knew because it was three to two. Uh, math. Mm. <laughs> Very simple math. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, mm-hmm. I kind of thought that that's what she was saying as she realized that he had done that when he said, anyway. If our listeners know, at this point, we're getting drunker. We are, mm. as promised. Mm-hmm. Uh, so space parents are fighting again. Mm-hmm. But Adama's like, we have to look to the future, which I, I think in this case means like this is kind of, it's kind of like a moment in Hamilton where it's like this is the first case in our new civilization mm-hmm. essentially that's going to establish precedent for where the law goes in now? the future gentlemen of the jury i'm curious bear with me are you aware that we're making history this is the first murder trial of our brand new nation the liberty behind the liberation i intend to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt with my assistant counsel oh, counsel hamilton sit down a client emmy weeks is innocent call your first witness that's all you had to say okay one more thing why do you assume you're the smartest in the room why do you assume you're the smartest in your room you can just play a clip of it there i don't think that our friendly manuel miranda would mind <laughs> okay. our good buddy our friend i bet he would like this show i think he would love this he's a nerd doesn't he like west wing he does i think he's a nerd i think he'd love he it he's a hundred percent a nerd we could even shout out and be like hope you don't mind i don't think he would ever he just seems like he's a man of the people and he'd he be like, does but i feel like the hamilton machine is larger than him at this point let's shout out to him anyway <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda, please don't sue us. We just love you. We love you so much. We've sung you before and we are going to rewrite. And we'll sing you again. We will. We're going to rewrite Hurricane for Hamilton for Battlestar Galactica's purposes. Okay, it's been a lot of beers now. Let's continue. It's been a lot of beers now. (laughs) So this moment of Gaius with his box wandering through the hallway it's beautiful and so sad and I loved it I love that he won but he didn't win yes he won but he's still in the eyes of the public a traitor so hey I don't know if there are any real world parallels to that right now do you (laughs) where like half of the people think that he is like completely exonerated and the other half of the people think that he deserves to just like be killed i don't know it's just is it relevant i don't think there's anything about this show that's relevant anymore. no no nothing relevant anymore <laughs> but he's not in a position of power anymore he is has nothing mm-hmm. 
He has nothing to offer anyone right now mm-hmm. except his sad little box walking through the hallway. Um, and his chest hair. Thank you, James. Ca- and his glorious head of hair. So while this is happening, they are doing their final jump to the Ionian Nebula. Rosalind immediately gets like what looks like a horrific migraine. Mm. The power goes out across the ship, across the whole fleet. Um, and then and the ships look like they're going to collide. With they each really other. do. Yeah. That's what I thought was going to happen. And I it mean, didn't it seem seems like that's what but that's mm. how they wanted you to know that mm. the whole fleet was without powers because mm. those ships, no one, no one's navigating mm. them. They're just floating and mm. they might crash into each other. But like if a boat loses its power, you can still navigate it. Space. Science. Okay. Uh, while the power's out, Gaius is surrounded by ladies in a hallway. And really the first two that show up don't look unlike Rosalind and Tori. Mm. Uh, Cause it's just a silhouette of like fabulous hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's the, the one chick who visited him in his cell and is like, we're going to take you to your new life and puts an orange blanket on him, mm-hmm. you know, for the camouflage effect. Orange is the classic, camouflage color orange is the new camouflage yes uh there's another dream happening Mm -hmm. where the final five appear in the balcony of the opera house um all of our newly hatched cylons are reciting lyrics to the song and Mm -hmm. the room is spinning and tori is puking and they all end up in this one room together Sam and Chief show up like at the same time and then Tori and then Ty. Mm-hmm. The biggest bomb drops. Which it isn't like once the three of them are there, I think you've been watching the episode. No, because Ty's the one who's been freaking out the longest. Yeah. But it's his, still his crazy. is still the one that's the most, I feel like, emotionally I think truthfully, resonant. like I think that I'd sent predictions of that to you, but I still didn't quite believe it. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a very intentionally, I think surprising take i still like i hear you ronald Moore, and they seem like they're the most excited about ty as a cylon but i still i'm yet to be convinced you're you've just learned to be skeptical after all this time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i have actually just notes about it i'm like can cylons age tell me about this yeah but we saw him young well yes. we saw adama's they memory of him being young sh- yes there are definitely times when Ty could have drunk himself to death and been replaced, or there are other possibilities. I don't know. I've never seen this show before. What? Okay. Um. So, yeah, they are like, oh, after all this time, a switch goes off, and it's just like that, and Tori's trying to hum this song, and Ty gets annoyed and is like, block the doors. Uh, and he he talks about it he's like it's been 40 years I fought in two wars I was tortured on New Caprica like all of that for fracking what and then oh god's Ellen Mm. who he killed for collaborating with the Cylons and he's a Cylon Mm. how do you deal with that guilt when you already couldn't deal with it in the first place yeah and I think what I do like about the choices is that there's several things. One of them is that the resistance are all Cylons, basically, like the people who are heading the resistance. I love that. I Because I, I think that is a really great way to like fuel an insurgency, right? That's exactly what Russia are doing right now. Mm. Um, 
And I also like that that means we have two half Cylon, half human babies. That's another detail mm-hmm. that is very interesting. And I I can't remember the birth order, but I think that Nikki was born first. No. No, it was a it was definitely Hera. It was okay. Hera. All right. But I think No, you're totally right. Yeah. There was that whole moment of like the first boy baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh but I also think that uh it also makes sense because like I think there was a question of like, oh well Sharon and Tyrrell never got pregnant. And now that makes perfect sense because Because they were silons. Yes. There's so much that kind of starts clicking here that you're that's honestly like I don't know if the writers plan this far out or if it's all just like conveniently working out really well, but it's interesting. From my understanding from the podcast, they only decided the final four like at the time of the episode. Yeah. That this makes was sense not predetermined. They actually well, and we sat know down. that's how Ronald D. Moore works. Mm. They sat down and were like, okay, who makes sense to be a Cylon? And actually they thought Ty made the most sense. And mm. I so disagree. Um, the other people I can, obviously at some point, um, I mean, obviously Tori, I'd been spoiled about, but the other two, like at some point I had questioned it. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. they make sense. The other three make sense. I mean, for me, Anders, I think the thing that I talked about with Anders was the fact that he was like a superstar, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't have been a Cylon. There was something about his relationship with Starbuck, I feel like, where her journey has been so important and what does it all mean? And we're going to get there in a few mm. minutes. Um, but I think that was also something that inspired you to say maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, and Chief is the the first one to say it. I think like we're Cylons. We mm. have been from the start. Uh, the the power is restored to the whole fleet at the exact. Well, they same haven't time. been from the start. They haven't been Cylons. What do you mean they haven't been Cylons from the start? Like they have been for the show, but like they weren't Cylons from the start. Mm. They just decided this. Mm. Oh right. Okay, got it. You mean in terms of in the writers' room? In the writer's room, no one was a silent from the start. <laughs> oh, yes, from the start. Oh, yes, the whole time. Yeah, mm-hmm. super planned. Uh, no, we know how these guys work, and I think it's part of what makes this show really exciting mm. is that they write as they go, and sometimes it means that we get weird episodes like The Woman King where they're like, no, we're doing this to set up a whole plot point that we're going to sabotage later. Um, but sometimes it means they make really amazing decisions on the fly that, that help move the story along and don't stick to something they decided in season one that doesn't work anymore. So it's an interesting process. Uh, and Ty's like, no, like I, I don't care what's happening. I'm Colonel Ty. I'm in this fleet. Uh, that's the man that I want to be. And we're going to go do our jobs and they go do their jobs. Callie's like, where have you been? And Chief is like, huh, I'll tell you later. <laughs> Which I wonder if he will. Uh, they, I mean, if anyone deserves to know, I feel like it's the lady with the baby. Um, yeah, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, meanwhile, Apollo, the tie is coming off. Yeah. So light suits going back on. Let's talk about this scene. <laughs> uh, initially... Uh, one of the deleted scenes is Apollo goes back to his room to grab his jacket and Starbuck is standing there. 
Oh. And that was going to be the end of the episode. Okay. Starbucks standing there saying exactly what she says in the ship later in the episode. Interesting. Which I'm really grateful they didn't do that because it definitely just adds a really like he's seeing things element to it. Whereas like I think they allude to that at the end of the episode, but it's not for sure. So like when I first watched, I was like, oh, is Starbuck the fifth Cylon or is she a vision? We don't know. Uh, and I still don't know. But then this ending, like this deleted scene, makes me think, oh, she's just a vision. Mm. Um, and maybe she's not. Uh, but the point is, is that that really makes it seem like it is. So that was originally going to be the ending, which would also, like, we'd lose all those amazing graphics, which I just fracking love of the nebula and then like going out and into uh, earth oh my gosh yeah. so yeah no the, the end of this episode is um is really beautiful and really oh solid. my god so good so uh we get ty and tori in the cic being like you can count on me i'm here if you need and then me president close-ups da, 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 da. Of their face. yes uh and this is when the uh the bsg version of all across the universe starts no, all along the watchtower. Whoopsie daisy. That's what happens when we introduce whiskey to the podcast. We start uh, quoting the Beatles instead of <laughs> Bob, Dylan. Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix. Um, yeah, this is. I like the version of this song. I don't know who sings it. I know it's, it's Ben McCreary. Oh, that's him himself. I think so. His yeah, voice, I think pipes. that was the point. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just all him playing it. And singing it? I think so. I'm I might be I wrong. I meant to look it up. I could There was a lot for this episode, you guys. He definitely wrote the arrangement. I understood from the podcast that it was him uh playing and singing and whatever, but maybe not. Okay. We'll look this up we'll later and we'll post check about it, it probably. Yeah. Uh so yeah, Apollo's in Viper Three. Just somebody let him on a ship because he's Apollo. Uh, and he's like, oh, I got a bogey. I'm going to go check it out. Mm-hmm. And then we hear that. But he comes up on Dreda's. Well, he sees it on Dreda's. He does. and then, But then it disappears. Mm. Uh, and then who shows up? Kylie. And so apparently uh, Edward James almost and Mary McDonald knew that Starbuck would be back for the last episode. Uh, but apparently only after Edward James almost pitched a fit. And Everybody like, lost their mind. Yeah. That's the what Ronald D. Moore was saying. was like... Yeah. He was like, everybody lost their minds and he had to tell strategic people so that they wouldn't leave that she was going to come back for the last episode. Of the mind losers, Edward James almost was chief among them. Like... Yeah. Yeah. He was really upset to the point where he had to be led in the loop. Mm. So uh, we don't know yet who she is or in what... Uh, capacity she's coming back but I think it's fair to say we're going to see her in more than just this look I may or may not have bought season 4.0 and she's still on the cover (laughs) which makes me think she's going to be involved somehow in some capacity Mm. Uh, and she says I've been to earth I know where it is and I'm going to take us there Mm. meanwhile we pull all the way out to a somewhat familiar looking galaxy mm-hmm. and zoom in to North America, lest any of us be confused about whether or not this is our Earth. <laughs> we don't see Australia. We don't see How Africa. We don't you. see Europe because 
Americans need to see that America is on this planet. And everybody else in the world is just global enough that we know what that means too. <laughs> you're welcome, America. You're it's welcome. It's just so it's so funny to me. And it there it does remind me of that episode of the West Wing where they talk about the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh that's a great episode, it's actually. So good. The cheese the cheese day episode uh i love one thing i do love about emojis is that they have three different versions of the earth did you know that Mm -mm. and one is north america faced, one is europe and africa faced, and the other is asia and oceania faced and i really like that because depending on what i'm posting about sometimes i post all three and if i'm like posting about australia in the world i'll like post the australia facing one or if it's north america i post that and i really love that thank you emojis yes thank you for giving us multiple perspectives of this globe that mm-hmm. doesn't have a front and a back no it's just a globe <laughs> it's a it's a it's a circle on yep. many ways and no one part of the circle should be more important or valuable than the others but just like caprica is the most important and valuable so is north america in this country's mind yes. um should we do all our counts i got counts so, uh, nine fracks in each episode, evenly distributed. Oh, that's, I wonder if that was on purpose. <laughs> uh, first episode, one from Sam, two from our man Skulls, one from Apollo, one from Racetrack, four from Ty. Second episode, one from Adama, three from Sam, one from Racetrack, three from Apollo, one from Ty. Mm-hmm. Cylon count known Cylons yeah in the first in the first episode known Cylons are two and a half mm-hmm. six Athena and Hera second episode known Cylons six and a half Woo! six Athena Hera Ty Tori Sam and Daryl oh my god the Cylon count is going to be much higher I think from this point on. oh my goodness it's a page it's a turning page so exciting turning Turning through the years. <laughs> Guys, we've morphed. We've evolved, you could say, into a musical theater, Battlestar Galactica, craft beer. Is this not what queer you Queer podcast. For? You're still here. So. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's a wrap. I definitely thought the second episode would be longer but i think that actually because in the first episode we we're covering a lot of the thematic we couldn't stuff. wait to talk about the juiciest bits yeah which is great but i thank you so much for joining us for two days in a row happy two years to us thank happy you so much to everybody who's been supporting us slash happy one season for me hey it's good on all fronts i really love that our third season ending kind of linked up here it's beautiful timing it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, uh, all the standard things. Please tweet at us. Oh my um, gosh, please. Please tell us everything we got wrong uh, at BeersBeatsBSG on Twitter. And you can also email us at BeersBeatsBSG at gmail.com. We check or it you can frequently. slide into those DMs because oh, nobody's using email these days, apparently. Apparently. Uh, um, yeah, you can also support us on Patreon. The link is on our Twitter page. Um, we like that. We like that. It's a lot of work to bring this silly little podcast to your ears and anything you can throw our way goes a long way to making this happen. It really does. Uh, I know it sounds silly, but it does. Uh, I kind of not missed a day of work today, but I rescheduled work today for this. 
this is dedication here. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. That's all from us. Uh, we're going to leave you with uh, some some smooth listening. Whatever version we decide. <laughs> there must be some way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessmen, they drink my wine. Plowmen dig my earth. None of them along the line. Know what any of it is worth.